You are listening to the Mick and Mac GAA Football Podcast. Okay, hello and welcome back to the Mick and Mac GA Football Podcast. Joined by Mac. Mac, how's things? Oh, good, my friend. Jeez, I'm a bit starstruck here now. This would have been one of my heroes, so I'm, I'm buzzing for this one. <laughs> You're punching above your weight here. <laughs> like you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely thrilled to be joined by Seamus Moynihan. Seamus, how are you? Good, Mick. John, how are you guys? How are you getting on? Absolutely. Thanks Fine. for joining us. Yeah, all good. Good stuff. Uh, I suppose, Seamus, how's the last while been for you anyway? Yeah, it looked very, obviously, very strange for everyone. I suppose the last three months have been, you know, just a, kind of a, a very strange period for everyone. And, uh, you know, I suppose it certainly shows one thing how, how important sport and training and just... From, from a, a mental point of view, I suppose just the, the ability to get out and, and go out and train and albeit in your local GA grounds or, or gym or whatnot, um, when that's taken away, it's certainly, it's a, it's, it's a major hit, it's a major hit. So, though, um, very strange times, I was lucky and fortunate enough that I live uh, maybe six or seven miles outside from Clarny, I'm living in the country and uh, I wasn't kind of boxed in as such, so I had plenty of pace to go for runs and jogs and walks and got my own personal training in but uh but no very strange not I suppose from the GA point of view not having to be uh, not the opportunity not to go and see the local team play uh, in the championship and obviously the finish of the national league and and the start of the championship all of those have been missed and uh you know it's 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 disappointing but look there seems to be light coming again in the end uh, at the end of this long tunnel and uh, you know, with the hopes of training coming back again, maybe early July for 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 every for underage up all the way up to seniors, and you know, the talks that there might be a championship as well, intercounty championship, albeit the final might be on Christmas Day, but we'll we'll take anything at this stage. Yes, you just mentioned it there. So, what are your thoughts on that roadmap then that the GA put out for going forward? Yeah, look, it's 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 good that they have something there. It's still a little bit vague in in, in a lot of areas, like you know. But look, I, I think you know, the good thing, about, I suppose, from from an intercounty player, is that they haven't totally ruled out the opportunity of playing an All Ireland series. Um, the structure, I suppose, and the format of it, I suppose, is still a little bit up in the air. Uh, but look, it, there's there's certainly light there, and I think they've obviously done the right thing in in the sense that. Uh, you know that they they're going to start with the with the, the the GA the local clubs first and see if all the clubs if they if they can run off the the kind of the the club the intermediate junior and and senior championships first uh, during that period and I suppose I think the GA and, and I think over that period over that August and September they'll learn an awful lot during that eight week window and um, you know just hopefully all that will go well and it'll allow the GA I suppose to push on and and put something probably more concrete and paced him for the championship because no doubt every inter-county player are, are mad for road and, and just to get back and put on the jersey and, and get an opportunity to, to, to go at it. Do you think the GA missed the trick though, Seamus, maybe in just letting the clubs play on until Christmas and just restart the whole inter-county uh, season next year? 
Yeah, you know, it's hard. Look, there's no right or wrong on this. I suppose they're trying to they're trying to please everyone in the sense that they're trying to get I suppose the, the championships out of the way first at, at local local level. And I suppose that's probably I think that's I think that's a good idea in the sense that um you're you're starting at lower levels, smaller crowds, um, you're getting your better players back in to train and I suppose just get back into that, that level of fitness again and playing with the clubs and uh, you know if that works I think they can look at the at the senior I think I think the, the, the cream on, on this cake will be the fact that if the GA can run with some form of a format for the inter-county uh, I don't think it's going to be very difficult for them uh, but if if, a, if the club runs well well maybe there might be an opportunity uh, but look at the end of the day if if they come back and say that there's no going to be no championship for the for obvious reasons if there's a second break or a second kind of coming around of this COVID, obviously it's 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 it will be very dependent on how the club goes. So look, if the intercounty runs off, and I you know talking to some of the players, I don't think they really care once there is a championship and that there's an opportunity to go, and they don't really care what format it takes, whether it's complete or another knockout. Um, just to get the opportunity and I think it would be great if they could finish that in the calendar year I, I, I think they should scrap the National League the National League should be left and I know there's player teams going up and down and there might be certain anomalies with teams like Cork and Division 3 uh, who it may have an impact on the line but I think they should certainly leave teams where they are at the minute in the current divisions and start again afresh 2021 and uh, you know but look um start the championship straight away if they can and, and try and run it off in the calendar year and let there be a winner, albeit in the football and hurling, uh, come December 2020. And it looks like it's going to be probably a knockout system. From a Kerry perspective, do you think that could suit Kerry going into the championship? Uh, well, you know, I suppose it, it has served well back in the past. Um, you know, Paddy Shaves always said it was a four steps to heaven. And, you know, you had two rounds in, in Munster and a semi-final and a final. So, you know, when you compare that to maybe a team up in Ulster where Kevin could be playing down in the very first round of the game, you know, that's 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 absolutely, you know, such a such a tough, formidable task and very hard game to call. And then the winners play uh, Donegal and Tyrone, you know. So that's a complete minefield up in Ulster. And, you know, I suppose Ulster probably at the minute and has always been a minefield in the sense that there's 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 so many teams up there that will would put their hand up and say we're going to win Ulster Championship in, 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 in any given year. Whereas I suppose in Leinster at the minute, unfortunately, and I suppose that's it that's shown in the amount of more Ireland stuff have won. There's only one 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 show there's only really only one show in town in Leinster. And you know, Connacht is a little more balanced with Ross Common coming into the equation. Uh, with Galway and Mayo, I think the other teams have taken a back step there. And in Munster, certainly has become more competitive. But you know, you still are looking at the the Cork and Kerry's leading the way. Um, in Munster, you know, in fairness, Tipperary, Limerick, Clare are making big strides at the minute, and uh, you know, are very very organised. But uh, you know. It's still, it's still not as formidable or as not as competitive. But I think Ulster is definitely the one where I suppose knockout championship is really, really cool because there is such, such competition. And as I said, any one of those teams could win uh, the back door. And and we've seen through the years that so many teams have come through the back door in Ulster and, and have won. Like Tyrone have been beaten and, and have come through and won the All Ireland. Uh, that, that way as well, like so. Look, knockout. Yeah, I, I think teams at the minute will take any, will take anything. 
constantly can play, um, it, it's probably not ideal considering you're going to be doing so much training for that. But it's 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 a it's, it's a window of opportunity. And so, Seamus, when you started off playing football as a young lad, um, your club down there in Kerry, like, what was the setup like? Like, what kind of players are you playing with? Um, Jesus, Jan, you're, you're going back a few years now, but uh, I, I, my club is Glenflesh, so we wouldn't be uh, no, not like Belly Bowden saying in this. We would, uh, we'd have one under twelve team, and we'd be probably pulling back. Well, when my time, I was eight years of age playing under twelves. And I think my first game we played fires, we got beaten 10 11 to no score. So oh. it's uh, we were we got a fair hocking, but you know, look, it, it, we we funny enough, we went on actually at senior level. We we actually got a we 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 created a very strong team and had won the Millennium Cup in 2000 and we won five other cups and were part of these carry team from 97 to 99. And you know, I suppose playing club football was always uh, was always a great it was a great time and, and great memories underage. Um, you know, but you know, look, thankfully, we maybe at the lower divisions at underage, we always kind of won a division four, um, county medal or division three, maybe up at twos. But I even see now that the things have changed outside, and our underage is very strong. And our under 14, 16 teams are have been competing in the division one for the last number of years. Our under 14 team now have won last year or two years ago, they won the, the division one. Uh, county titles so you know things change and I suppose we're fortunate where we are geographically we're only six or seven miles outside Killarney so uh, Killarney being I suppose a great tourism town and with Lever and different industrial um, facilities around a lot of the a lot of the guys are staying around and we, we haven't been hit while well, we have been hit obviously with immigration a lot of some of our very good players are, are still in Australia at, as we speak but in my town, we were fortunate that most of the guys stayed around and we made hay when we had them. So I saw guys like John Crowley, that obviously John played back in the day, and uh, uh, wherever I, John and myself were in UCC together, we played with Glenn Flesk, we played with uh, Kerry, and we played with East Kerry, and you know we had a great run there for a period of time, and we had players underneath that, like Paul, I don't know who would have played minors under 21s, Michal, I don't know who, uh, David, I don't know who would have played with the back in 1982 with the likes of, I suppose, uh, the great Kerry teams and would have been on the panel for a period of time. So we, we, didn't, we had a nice sprinkling of players um, at the time at senior level. But yeah, look, it was great. I had great memories playing with underage uh, with Glenn Fleska and, and some awful hammerings, no doubt as well along the way. But we, we, uh, we, we took it and learned from it. And so basically, like, when you were growing up, was Gaelic football your only sport or did you play any other sports apart from it? Yeah, I, well, yeah, absolutely. I, I would have played, or I, well, I suppose when I went to the same, I would have played basketball and stuff like that. But to answer your question, John, no, look, in, I see my young fella, Jamie, you now he plays with Celtic, with the soccer, Clarny Celtic, and he plays with St. Paul's and the basketball. And uh, and he plays, obviously, club football with ourselves. And, uh, and look, back in my time, if I asked my father to win playing soccer and basketball, he'd have told me to death off because we had, we had cows to milk and we had so many things to do. So things have... <laughs> Things have changed quite a lot, and you there was one there was one taxi, and that was down to the football field, and we were lucky to get that. Uh, but look, um, that has that has totally changed now, obviously. But no, I, I I would have played other sports, but not wearing the jerseys. I I always I was in the backyard when when the the World Cup in '86 was on, and and in 1990 we were all we were the John Aldridge's and the and the Liam Brady's back then, back in the backyard playing with the neighbours, and when when you know. Basketball kind of probably came in more in the in the later part of the nineties when 
Magic, I suppose Michael Jordan has kind of, kind of come into bear again with the, with the documentary, but basketball, I think everyone was putting up basketball rings in the back of the shed or whatnot. So I think sport is fantastic, John. I think, you know, kids should play as many sports as they physically can to a point where I suppose when you do have to specialize, it's like, a, like after your junior start, you, you specialize in physics or chemistry or, or business studies. I think there's a time in your life where you kind of have to make a decision. But I think up to then, I think people should be very open in terms of sport because you can learn an awful lot from playing basketball and soccer and, uh, and different codes and different sports and athletics obviously being brilliant as well. From, a, from, I suppose, an injury prevention and whatnot. But, you know, I think kids, it's one thing I would advise any child is to try and play as they can without, without uh, you know, up to 14, 15 years of age anyway. And then then decide and learn and be open about, you know, different different sports because basketball is such a fantastic game. You could, you don't have to be the biggest man in the world, but you can still mind your yourself you mind mind basket and mind that you know play very well defensively so you can take an awful lot out of different sports and i think dublin have been doing that with the likes of jason jo was a was a brilliant basketballer and bernard dunn as a boxer so you you pick you pick things out of out of different sports and you you adapt and you and i think players are always open to making themselves at two percent or three percent better and that's ultimately it will make the difference probably come the the, the last week in september Seamus, tell us as an 18-year-old going into the Muslims yeah. final in 1992, was it a shock for yourself to get caught? Oh, I, I, yeah, absolutely, uh, Mick. Yeah, I, at the time, my father worked in a factory locally here um, as well called Pretty Polly. So I was I was sent in there after, well, I was doing the matric as well, uh, but I was kind of doing here just to get a bit of money, tried to save it up. I was hoping to, to go and join, ultimately ended up going to UCC, but um, I got a phone call. Uh, to say that I was selected and back in the time there was no mobile phones back this is 92 mother of god uh, there was no phones it was only all landlines and uh, I got a phone call to say that I was big midfield and the parents rang and I thought they were only joking me to be fair because I, I, I had only gone in training maybe three weeks prior to that and it, it happened because Billy Shea and myself were on the 21 panel and I think Mick, Mickey Nate just held on to the two of us just to make up numbers for the a kind of a challenge game on the one of the nights so it it uh it, it kind of stemmed from there and you know look obviously it was a great honor and it was fantastic to be picking the field and I, I was probably surprised myself that i was uh but ultimately it, you know while i was very honored it was it was a brave move by kerry to be fair uh to put in a kind of a a, a very green young 18 year old into into the middle of a, a monster final cauldron and ultimately, as to why I did okay on the day, um, when you're marking a guy who's 26 or 27, uh, who is probably, you know, who's matured and physically way stronger than you, it's going to be a very hard battle. And, uh, you know, but that, I don't think that was the reason why we lost the game. I think Claire were the better team on the day and were well driven and had some quality players. But, you know, it was a, it was a, I think it was a, obviously a major learning curve and disappointment. But, I thought we'd, we'd, the next year we'd bounce back, but unfortunately we spent the next five years uh, looking at, at Cork and whatnot, uh, winning Munster finals, you know, so it was, a, it was a hard start with Kerry anyway at that time. You mentioned those five years, obviously they were, they were very lean, and there was, as you said, Cork especially, would, um, they must have been very tough to take. Do you think that rivalry between Cork and Kerry, like it's kind of gone now in comparison to what it was like then, maybe? Uh, I wouldn't say that. No, <laughs> that rivalry—it's—it's it's like Dublin and 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 Kildare or Dublin Mead. 
you know, Kevin Monaghan there, you know, you're not, you're not that rivalry is never, that's there because you're, you've, 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 look, I, I live, I live, as I say, seven miles from Clarny, but another seven miles over the road, it's Cork County Bones, Ratmore, you, you're, you're completely, Ratmore's is tied to, to Cullen, uh, Belly Desmond, uh, Knock and Agree, um, you know, so you you you've loads of of, of of crossover there, and you're meeting people, and the, the ball hopping will always be there, and, and and it's great, and you know that 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 rivalry is there, and it's healthy, and you know, look, that will never change. To be fair, I think what has weakened it, make it, if anything, is the the backdoor system, and, and I'm not I'm not I'm not putting it down. I think the backdoor system has certainly huge pluses. But the one drawback I would see in the back door in is the sense of the, the gun to the head stuff. When when Cork and Kerry are playing in June, it's a monster final. Winner takes everything, and if you lose that day, it's it's you're drinking boomers for the summer light, you know. And uh, it's you know, all the work that you've done from probably October November of that year. It is gone within seventy minutes if you don't perform or if you're injured and whatnot. So like. At that stage, if you're half injured and you want to play, you are going to play. Whereas at the current climate, you can you say, no, look, if we lose, I'm going to be back in two weeks' time with the qualifiers. And it's not that, that, that life or death scenario isn't there at the minute. And that probably has taken away from the local derbies to a point uh, you certainly still don't want to lose to your arch enemy or to your local neighbour. But having said that, the bigger picture is um, September or you know, the All-Ireland final. And uh, so that 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 rivalry might have diluted a little bit, but at the end of the day, when Cork play Kerry, when Dublin play Kildare, when Galway play Mayo, when Cavan play Monaghan, that 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 cut and trust on the day in the field is still very very evident. But um, with maybe two minutes or three minutes to go, are you going to are you going to bring on your marquee forward with a torn hamstring uh, to to win the match for you? You're not because you're going to say, all right, I'm going to fight my fight, I'm going to take my beating here today, but. We might lose the battle, but we'll hopefully win the war. But and what about those five years? I mean, uh, they're quite lean. Was that pressure intense enough now in Kerry at the time? I'd imagine as a young lad coming into the panel. Oh, without doubt. So ninety two, ninety three, ninety four, ninety five. Like ninety two, we lost to Clare. So that was that was a that wasn't a one not a one of our brightest days in history. So you went from there with a new manager coming in to with Ogie and. Uh, um, we were 93, 94, 95, without winning a Munster as well. Cork beat us in, in, in all games. 94 is one we probably left left up in Parkway Cave. Uh, in fairness, Stephen O'Brien got a great goal at the end um, to, to win that match, albeit the Cork were, were weakened by injuries and whatnot. But look, yeah, there, there, were, there were very hard uh, hits to the ship because, you know, you were training hard, you were putting in big shifts. But I just think Kerry were certainly in a transition period at the time and while the underage was certainly coming and there was good guys coming through, they were trying to probably get young fellas like myself and Dara Shea and John Crowley and Liam Hassel, Derek Kaneda into the team that were still very inexperienced and matching them up with older players like obviously more experienced players like Morris Fitz and Sean Burke and Peter Leary, Liam Flaherty, Eamon Breen and it took a while for that marriage to kind of come across and it really wasn't until 1996 that that ultimately became the 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 right kind of mix, and and Audi had actually taken over by that stage, and you know um, I think at that stage the younger players had matured as well. They were they were getting to the 21, 22 age, and they were finishing playing under twenty one football, and and, uh, and and you know it was just that mix was getting there. But for that three years that Ogie was there, he was probably just unfortunate that the, the quality of players that he had were either too young or probably just 
pushing on to the wrong side and uh, and and just ultimately came across a very strong Cork team was probably that were beaten by Derry and I think in the 93 final and uh, 94 I think Dublin beat them in the semi-final uh, 95 um, 95 Dublin won Dublin win one in 95, I can't remember now again, it's right. But uh, Cork were very solid at the time and probably should have won in Ireland during that period. But they were probably coming by 96. That team were just coming to the end of their tether as well. And we were just on the, on the, on the rising, so on the, on the horizon. So, look, football is funny. And again, you know, the one thing I, I take out of sport is that, you know, we, we had from there on then, we had 10 great years. Uh, but... You know, there's there's very few players, uh, with the exception of, of of the current Dublin players at the minute, like Brian Fenton, who has never lost a championship game, which is which is scary, which is a really really scary thought. But there's very that's an exception to the rule, and I think you go through any professional sports player or any player for that matter, I think you certainly lose more than what you win, and I think ultimately it's down to what you learn from your defeats. It will make you a great guy and put you on to win afterwards. I think. And what were the celebrations like after the 1996 win? Hey, they, well, they, they, got, they got the coverage at the time, albeit now back in the Kerry, it was only the Kerry men and whatnot. And, uh, you know, there was no social like social media still at this stage, making John like was that was something that people were only seeing, watching in Star Trek and stuff like that. But, um, but I, I can remember 96, I suppose, beating Cork, I suppose, was obviously great. Was a great sense of satisfaction. It was brilliant because we hadn't, our, our Kerry hadn't won since '91 a Munster, and and Paddy being Paddy, I suppose had invited a few of the the players back on the Monday as because he'd be there himself and whatnot. And I think he had all you know the best intentions uh, in the sense that he could kind of control it and whatnot. But sure, like anything, it was it was like Kinnell Scully won phone. Uh, went it went viral and uh, before you know it there was there, the whole house was full and and the papers got wind of it as well and unfortunately I was cute enough to not to get my head stuck in the in the in the photographs to be put in the front of the carry men but the, there was photographs put in so look to be fair make it back and back to, back in those times there was always the magic Monday I, I don't think it happens probably anymore I think players are are certainly looking after themselves more. And uh, but after a championship game, you had a few drinks, and, and there was always a, a, a kind of a local magic Monday afterwards. And and you we kind of fell into training on the Tuesday to, to wash out dirty diesel, and that was it again. And you know, but look, so that wasn't a bad thing again because you didn't play for five or six weeks, or whatever. So you had a you had a huge 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 room. But funny enough, in that game. The 96 Munster final was followed swiftly by the Mayo game, which I think was three weeks later. And uh, to say we were off the pace on 96 in the semi final against Mayo was, was an understatement. We were, every one of us to a man, were, were so far off it. And Mayo were, were, were serious All Ireland contenders and, you know, obviously went so close to winning the All Ireland against a, a very strong physical meet team and went to replay. And obviously, we all know what happened in, the, in, in, in those games. But, you know, Mayo were flying. They were flying in the semi-final. They were all extremely fit. They were movement of the ball. They they were just they were a million miles ahead of us in terms of strength and conditioning and where they were. So we 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 knew coming down that day we were we we had so much work to do in terms of 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 uh, if we we're going to win in Crow Park, we need to, to up this up this game by 30 percent. Which thankfully we all we all knew when the penny had drafted us, and uh, it was it was it was game on from there then. 
And Seamus, tell us a bit about Paddy O'Shea because Jesus, he's some legend in GA circles. Yeah, Paddy. I'd look, Paddy. In fairness, I think someone was saying Paddy's book that he he Paddy could have wrote. He didn't write that book at all because if he wrote a real book, it'd be a bestseller because it's he had so many great stories and. And he was such a rogue and, and a likable rogue, to be fair. And we've had so many great trips, trips abroad with him and so many good nights out. But to be fair to Potty, Potty, one thing that Potty loved was Kerry and, and Kerry football. And it was the only thing that he could really say, this is, this is ultimately one thing I'm going to give up everything for. And, um, you know, from, from the minute we started training in 97, I think that was in October, November, he brought us back early to when we finished in September. The training was fantastic. And Paddy's training was actually extremely enjoyable. He, his training sessions were a little bit old school, but they were, his training was really, really good. And he knew how to get the best of the, out of the guys who were unfit. And he got the best out of the guys who were extremely fit and he, he got the balance right because I think Paddy wore all those jerseys himself and he knew coming back in January maybe a stone or stone and a half overweight back in the day what he had to do to get fit and he knew how to maintain the fitness then as well but no Paddy was a great character and I suppose from my point of view growing up watching him you know in the in the obviously later 70s and and the, 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 the three in a row in the 80s you know he was, he was a household name and you know uh, no one scoring off them in from, from from championship games, you know, it was a serious record eight All Ireland, and you know he was obviously he was someone that we looked up to uh, growing up, and to have him as a manager was fantastic. And you know he was if Paddy told you something about the fence, you took it on board because you knew he 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 did it, and and he, he got the rewards for it as well, and the way he played. But no, no, Paddy was a great character, and uh, he was a fantastic manager. And and when people think you know maybe he wasn't. Uh, I never saw a guy, you know, concentrate or watch as many videos back in the day. And this is this is Paddy putting in the, the the old videotapes and going rewind and forward. And I'd say he spent hours at his home inventory watching games and going back. And you know, some of these video clips are, you know, while as I said, no, you players are getting a CD and they're off you go watch watch the, 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 the next 15 clips on yourself and and, and and this is what you did right and this is what you did well and whatnot. not he kind of had a generic backs kind of video and he had a generic forwards one and maybe a midfielder and goalkeeper one and he'd be going forward and back and there'd be a bit of banter and laughing and my Darren might have to come up the odd time to, to fix the video and tape and, and put it right for him but he, his, his analysis of the, of the game was, was spot on and he really knew he knew how football worked how it operated and how, when guys dropped their heads and when you know when it was time to put the, 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 the real you know knee into the guy's neck and, and you know I, I, it, was, it was very enjoyable and I think his training and his video analysis and, and you know um, it, it, was, it was really really good and you know he was, he was a great manager and it was a manager I really enjoyed playing with for the, for the six years that he was there and like, is he the type of fella when he talks, you'd hear a pin drop, Seamus? Because I remember us watching that Maroon documentary when he was with Westmead. And I think he just said a grain, a, a grain of rice would tip the scale. Like, he just, he's a legend. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, look, he, yeah, absolutely. Uh, look, he had the, the utmost of respect. And I, I suppose the, the one year that he, he was under a bit of heat was in 2003, I suppose, the unfortunate interview that was, that was done and you know I think Paddy was wrong that year who I, I don't know who the journalist was but 
they, they should have left the man alone and, and, and ring him back in two weeks' time after he came back from South Africa and the holidays. And, you know, Paulie was in holiday mode and what he said was, was you know, look, to be fair, it was taken, it was, it, it was what he said. Obviously, Kerry supporters are quite difficult to, to please because they are so used of, of, uh, of winning. You talk to a Dublin supporter at the minute and, and if you... If, you know, they're so used to winning now, imagine being told if they're not going to win something again or they're going to win every maybe seven or eight years or whatnot, you know, that people will not take that kindly, you know, so it's it's whatever you're used to. And I think Paddy, Paddy's comment was taken out of the chest and, and out of context, but, you know, it, 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 I think it put a lot of pressure on him in 2003 and ultimately led to him having to kind of, you know, resign. But... It's just a pity because uh, the way he left, uh, that the door wasn't left open or, or that he didn't leave the door open for him to come back again because, you know, there was certainly more opportunity for Polly to come back in and train with, and train Kerry teams because ultimately, uh, while he did train with me, while he did train other teams, there was only one team that Polly ever wanted to train, like, you know, and, uh, and that was, that was the, the, the Kerry jersey. And do you think characters like Polly are missing now in the game, Seamus? Helping like Mick O'Dwyer and those kind of characters. Yeah, you know, look, I suppose they're just from a different vintage, Mick, and you know, I think that the, their balance and you know their balance in terms of sport and and lifestyle and whatnot. You know, look, um, they, they 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 certainly had a they they had a great time, and you know, when they trained, they trained really really hard back in the on the time, obviously under Mico, and they had great success and. You know, Paddy, I suppose Paddy was cut from the same cloth, like from, from October or whenever you started training in January until such time that you finished. Paddy could ring you four times a day and, and hopping balls off your, just checking this out and whatnot. But once the thing was over, as far as Paddy was concerned, again, it was finished and we were not to meet again really until we had a holiday and, and, and had a few jars and whatnot and, and we regrouped again in January because I think Paddy was exhausted himself anyway because he was putting so much time into it that he needed that time off and, uh, you know, but those kind of characters, of course, they're, they're, they're missing and, you know, we you know, we we fantastic trips with Paddy and we had great fun with him and, you know, he was, he was, he was, you know, always looked after players and we we with great laugh. I can remember we were over in the Canaries one year and I'd say we were after getting in a bit of hassle in one of the hotels and Paddy was basically told to get the boys down and get sober them up a little bit below on the, on the beach and bring them for a run. And as we were walking down towards the beach, we, i say we were all thinking we are going to get our backsides, ran off us for a couple of hours, but Paddy kind of had a look around and he brought us up to this tavern above Johnny's Corner, I think it was called. And I think he gave everyone something like £70 a man Actually, we had the best day of our lives, you know, and that was that was January 2000, and you know these are things that stick to your head, and you know like we 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 fantastic, we had a massive crack again, and look, no one went back and did damage again in the hotel. He got the message across, but we always ended up having a great bonding day, and uh, and coming back, not looking at it, drink again for four months because you were so sick of it. But you know they're they're the kind of things that keep you going in in the middle of April when you're getting your backside opened. Uh, training fucking every second day and you know they're looking for more because party basically we, we had those memories and uh, you know we had time we had the good times and we, we were supposed to be having the good times that's not in we didn't you know party didn't expect that or, or we didn't expect it in April you know so look party was a was a fantastic character definitely broke the mold the boys I suppose to be fair having known the boys all my life they're the biggest rogues as well going and uh Body would be happy with that, and 
Uh, they were they were a great they were a great combination team. And, uh, you should never take a phone call from the boys anyway in the car driving because everyone is over listening. They'd have it on uh, open speaker and they'd be all listening and laughing and uh, they're they're good 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 fun. You are touching on something earlier on about um, the pressure obviously in Kerry and the supporters are very demanding or they so expect success in such a traditional county and you were captain in nineteen ninety eight, am I right in saying? Yeah, I was ninety eight, yeah. So what's the what was it was a tough like tough job as captain? Was it very pressure a lot of pressure in it? No, I, I never was. Make no I, I think the whole um the whole captaincy thing is taken, I think, out of context. I think, you know, the the hardest thing about Getting being captain is to get captain uh, in Kerry because of the system that's there. So first of all, you have to win the county championship, which we did uh, with East Kerry. I'm fortunate enough that we had a very strong team at the time. So we won in '97. We beat Lone Rangers, who would have had Billy Billy Shea and Mike Hassett and Liam Hassett and Connor Carney was there at the time, and you had Mike Frank Russell, Pass, all of them. They did a really really good team. So they had numerous guys that could have been captain. Uh, so that allowed me then to be captain 98. But outside of that, you had to win the East Kerry Championship then as well with Clinflesk. So um, we beat, I think, Cora um, in 97 uh, with a, a last kick of a penalty. Paul put it into the back of the net. So there's so many steps to get to be captain. That's probably the most difficult thing. And, 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 you know, and that system hasn't changed. There was a vote there recently, but it was voted down where you know, it still remains. Whoever wins the county championship will, will nominate. If it's a club like Croaks or Stacks, they will nominate the captain. And if it's a divisional team, it will come from one of the clubs within the divisional, whoever wins that divisional board competition then. So, uh, look, captaincy of Kerry, why would you be putting pressure on yourself? All I ever did was I never miss training, always did what you had to do. And, uh, you know, you had people like Cody inside the dress room who, you know, who else did you need to speak? You had Morris. If there was anyone else having to talk, Morris was, was a fantastic speaker. And, and more importantly, you did your talking in the field and you played, you did, you did your job. And outside of that, I think, you know, captaincy, and it might, have changed, might, might be changing a little bit more where the captain might have to do a little bit more PR work. And back then, even when you had your press days, kind of the captain was kind of thrown out to the wolves the, the guys like Tomas. Tomas had no more back then. Tomas never spoke. He went. He was very shy back then. But he's after finding his tongue there recently. And uh, but no one would want to do media work. And he basically, the captain, Paddy, and maybe a few fellas like Derek Canada, who 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 was very very assured and well spoken, and and guys like that were were kind of fished out of media, given the same yarns. Like you know. But look, captaincy for me. Back then, and no, it's it's an overrated. You know, once the player itself is doing what he should be doing in the field, and is doing it and, and doing it in the training fields, and leading by example, you know, there's nothing else he can really do. And how much pressure is on David Clifford at the minute? There, shame. It's like he's what twenty years of age. Like that's that's no mean feat for to be captain of that carry team at the minute. No, I, I don't think there's any extra pressure for it because he's captain. You know, I think David is a kind of a fellow that will will embrace that, like you know. And I've often said, like David, David is 21, you know, going on 29 because he seems to be around for quite a quite a while. And you know, he, I suppose David, no different to myself, is, is coming from a small club like Fossa, and you know, has been trying to you know keep that show going and playing senior football with them for the last number of years. So he's he's certainly used to pressure and. 
if, if David goes out playing with Fossa, if David doesn't get two, three, you know, he was only all right today, you know, that kind of a way. And so he's, he's kind of used to that uh, already pressure before he ever puts on a jersey. So, look, yeah, is, you know, is that, is that right? Probably not. Uh, but, you know, David is well used to that. And, you know, he's, he has done so well in the first two years of his inter-county career, it seems to he's really seems to have taken to it very well. And, you know, that pressure, there's certainly no pressure within the county um, on David as it, because he's a captain. That's just, look, it's an honour. And I think David has taken it as that. Will David have to be making these big, eloquent speeches or doing anything extra in terms of PR? Absolutely not. He just has to keep doing what he's doing and, and, and that's what, what he's doing on the field, like, you know? And like obviously you played with some unbelievable players uh, back then. Like how highly do you rate Clifford at the minute, Seamus? Yeah, I like I suppose John, I, I did it probably an interview a couple of months ago on, on David, but I suppose the be, the best I suppose the best compliment I can give him is that we're comparing him to the likes of Morris Fitz, we're comparing him to the likes of Cullen Cooper, you know, and he's still only two years down the line in terms of wearing a, a senior jersey, you know. So to be even comparing him to these two players, you know, who for beer are in, you know, the the, the higher echelons, you know, we can all pick out fantastic forwards, but Gooch and, and Morris are in that in that category. So that that's the greatest compliment I think we can give David right now, you know, that he's he's being compared to these boys because they, those boys had had everything. Uh. 2000, you removed the full back, Seamus. Uh, was that a decision you were happy with, or did you prefer playing out the field a bit more? I uh, look, um, no problem with it. I never had a problem with it because, look, at the end of the day, you're you're going to play where you you where you, it's irrelevant where you play once you're once the 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 end result is is the is the right answer. Um, did I prefer playing in the the wing back line, of course, and you know, ask any defender. Who probably isn't a normal wing back and ask you know if there's more freedom in playing in the wing back line you're you're allowed to obviously contest breaking ball you might get the odd opportunity to go up and finish on a score or or or, or make or contribute towards a score it's not all marking it's not all whereas in fairness and back in the day and it still is to a point where in your full back line it is certainly much more a man marking role and you really, really have to be so close because if you make any mistake or, or error, if your forward wins the ball in that in that kind of red zone area, uh, the, you know it's it's dangerous and then goals and points can come off it. So, look, it, it was unfortunate that year. Poor Barry Shea did his cruciate ligament. We were playing Roscommon up in in Fisher Stadium, and it was an innocuous enough thing along the sideline. And Barry just went over and cruciate went. And, you know, Barry had been our fullback and, you know, the fullback jersey was on his back for as long as he really wanted it. Uh, and he played there. He was he was playing his club football fullback. He played with the RTC when Sigerson's playing fullback. Barry was a fullback, no different to the, uh, you know, uh, he was, he, he was um, Darren, you know, no different to the, the fullback from, 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 from Mead and Darren Faye. Um, Natural fullbacks played there all their lives, and and you know we're we're happy to do so. Whereas unfortunately, then Paddy had to make a decision uh, to either play Mike Hassett or maybe myself or or uh, Mike Mack or something like that. And ultimately, it ended up that I went back there. But I no no problems with that. I actually played a bit of underage football playing fullback, and um, I know it had been a good few years. But it at the end of the day, defending is the hoping titan and doing the doing the simple things right. But um, 
it just thankfully went back and and this was long term. Paddy basically said, "Look, do you want to, do you want to play wing back and and lose in All Ireland, or do you want to or do you want to play full back and or play wing back and lose and play or play full back and win?" And you know, look, thankfully it worked out and uh, it was uh, you know a great great tough tough championship. We went to two replays and uh, but it was a fantastic one to throw over the line. Yeah, and you had some great battles that year against Lice and McConville and uh, Forrest Joyce. I mean, who were the toughest lads you were marking around that time? They'd be so much oh, yeah, but sure. Yeah, you named two. The two boys were, you know, you wouldn't want to be out in Copperface chest tonight before marking any of those two boys. Um, you know, so like they're extremely, you know, complete sharks and give them one smell um, and the ball is in the back of the net, like, you know, or over the bar. And, you know, like, and but Paul Clancy spent a nice bit of time as well in full forward that year in 2000. You know, Joyce, kind of had drifted out into the 40 as well for a period. So I even picked him up and, you know, Paul was a very formidable player too and could, could really play, you know. But like, John McEntee used to slip in as well for Armagh with O'Sheen and the, they were changing. And, and that's the beauty. And, you know, I suppose that's the, that's the beauty of, of a forward and you're not going to, you're not going to stay inside there. They're going to keep changing and bring different guys in and just you know, a different player comes in and you have to figure out is he left or right and you have to you might have your homework done and oh Shane McConville next second John McIntyre or David Marsden slips in for five minutes you say hang on here on a second Jesus is he what's his strong leg no you'd have a fair idea but you does a bit of thinking about it again and it's a different dynamic so you know especially I think it's not as it's, um, in the wing back line you can figure it out and it's, if a guy slips you it's not the end of the world because you're 50 yards maybe with the ball but if you make a mistake in the full back line, it ultimately it ends in it ends in tears, like you know. I was watching your Lake Regale, Seamus, uh, there yesterday, and I was just looking at that Tyrone game. I think you're American Canavan. He went off injury with an ankle injury, and then after lo and behold, Stevie O'Neill comes on. What was that like? Yeah, you know, and that same thing there. Like you know, you'd have your homework done for Peter, and I would have known obviously Peter through through playing rugby cups and 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 playing Tyrone, you know. Peter was was the was was one of the probably the hardest guys to mark because he had everything he had left and right and he had speed he had vision he had you know he wasn't he wasn't good. his first instinct wasn't to score it was to maybe give it and you know he had he was a really really tough guy and 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 tenacious level as like he would he he was you know he could he could do everything he he'd fight his corner and uh, you know. That day we went for a ball and just our legs kind of got tangled just underneath as it was the Hogan and Peter came out the wrong side of it. And you think, you know, Jesus, you're probably marking one of the best forwards that ever was. And uh, next second, another guy comes in, Stephen O'Neill. You know, but sure, we were long finding out that this guy was a, was a super, super guy as well, you know, and had left and right and had speed and strength and had vision and, you know, ticked all the boxes as well, like, you know, and sure, obviously Stephen went on to have a, a fantastic career, but I suppose I would not have known as much about Stephen back then than I would have had known about Peter Canavan. And, uh, but I, I, I think I said in Laker Gale, I knew a, a lot more about Stephen O'Neill when the game was over. And uh, he was uh, certainly a very good, very, very, very challenging guy to mark, like, you know, like, like all the other Tyrone forwards, but Stephen had a, was a quality, quality forward, yeah. And like, what was it like to kind of play with the likes of like you're, you have your Mike Cassidy and your Maris Fitzgerald? Like, does that instantly bring you on as a footballer, Seamus? Say that again, John. Or, oh no, just what was it like to play with the likes of uh, Mike Cassidy and um, the Fitzgerald and bits and pieces like Maris Fitzgerald? Like, does that just instantly bring you on as a footballer? 
Yeah, well, see, Morris, I suppose, um, Morris was just uh, in, inside training. Some guy had to pick up Morris in, 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 let's say, in backs and forwards and whatnot. And, you know, I think we all share that, that beautiful treat. But, you know, as a player, it, was, it will bring you on because if Morris is on his, on his A game, he's left and right, he's six foot four, um, you know, he can, if you follow him, he's going to put a slot over from anything from 40, from anything inside the 45, and it's irrelevant from whether it's left or right. It was, it was just, it was jam for him. And, you know, he was, he was, he was an extremely difficult player. And as I say, if you got his temper up then, he just went to another level again. And, you know, but they're the kind of guys that you want to mark in training. And, you know, in fairness, if you ask any of the backs at the time, no one liked marking John Crowley either. John Crowley was six foot two. He was strong. He was absolutely deceivingly fast over 20 yards, had left and right, and absolutely serious aggression. And if anyone decided to start uh, pawing Johnny inside in training, you came out the wrong side. You would have broken the nose or you would have missing a tooth. And John didn't give two fiddlers whether you, whether you were or not afterwards if you were holding his jersey while the ball was coming in, you were nailed like, you know. So all those, those kind of guys, they're great guys to, to, to be marking in training because you know when, 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 you cross the white, when you cross the white line in championship, you've been hardened inside in training. And that went for John as well and Morris. If they were getting good, they were, they were getting socks of it inside and you were standing at them and you, you were showing them no, no respect to a point during that 20-minute period, you know deep down, and they did as well, that that was going to stand to them. Uh, and it was because when, when you were going to be playing the likes of Cork in the Munster final, or playing Mayo, or playing Tyrone, or playing anyone, and that's a kill there back in, in, the, in, the, in the late 90s, um, you know, Mead, you know, so all super teams, super players, but they all played with an edge. And there was a physicality, and there was a controlled aggression. And if you didn't have that, you weren't going to switch it on in the day. And if you didn't go through it in the training, well, you weren't going to ultimately win an All-Ireland uh, at the end of the year. Like, do you think you had like the edge on teams coming up against like the Dubs or Cork or them kind of teams when, you, when you're playing and training with the likes of them players you're after naming? Yeah, well, it certainly helps. But like, obviously, the Corks and the Dublins and all those players had marquee players as well. So, you know, but yeah, we were fortunate in the sense that, you know, I suppose from 97 on, we had an extremely strong panel, John. And, uh, you know, there was there was no dead rope there. I think the, the 24, 25, 26 fellas that were inside in the panel were all exceptional players. And, and you know, obviously, you could only play 15. Um, you know, but there were there was extreme. There was real, real. You know, there was a ruthlessness about the training, and there was guys fighting for that for that jersey in '97. Like you had only 21 medals to give out, so it was that 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 tells us all. In fact, it did obviously change, but obviously we Mike Hassett that year didn't get a didn't get a medal because he never played in the All Ireland semi final or final series, and Mike was one of the the, the the most you know he had played since '93 and was a fantastic back and. Mike was left and right, could play probably centre forward if he had to. He was a, he was a, he was a beautiful footballer, not a party range, that kind of a player. And, uh, you know, last out in the middle because there was only 21 medals there to be given out. And, you know, so to even get on the panel that time was, it was, there was, it was, there was cut and trust. And I can, I can remember Jack Connor was a selector that year. We were getting ready for the Mayo game, maybe the last couple of trial games. It was probably the last trial game. And Jack just kind of sub in if we were stuck for a number. He was play, he played wing forward in this game anyway, marking him and Breen. And like all during the year, Jack would have got on maybe a couple of handy balls and, and fairness, he'd keep running all day over and back and whatnot. 
we're going to five minutes of that game. Jack came off his short was thrown off him, and he was allowed to get more three bells of Eamon Breen that he said, "Fuck this, I'm I'm gone out of here, right?" You know, so it's just the, the obviously the intensity had just gone to a different level, and and that's the that that will always show on a match day. If you have zero intensity in training, you invariably you're going to have zero intensity in the on on, on the day of the match. Well, that's just like junior B training. That's what it's all about. <laughs> <laughs> Seamus, was the 2000 All-Ireland win probably the most rewarding one in terms of coming through the two replays you had to come through against our man Galway? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was course and it was definitely the hard way, but 97 was still probably the most special one in the sense it was the first All-Ireland middle and it was the monkey off the back. And for me, 97 was always the, will always be, will be the most memorable, I think, 2000, because as you said, the fact that we didn't get it handy and it wasn't handed over, we had to fight every bit of it. And it went to two replays and obviously the fact that I was a captain made it extra special, but, you know, there were, there was, it was just such a hard slog. Any of the two games of the drawn game against Armagh could have gone against us. Galway probably should have beaten us the first drawn game. Um, you know, so it, we, we just got that bit of a rub of the green and uh, had to get the second days out in the Armagh game went to, went to just replay, went to extra time. So it's, it's, you know, we just talk about getting over the line, you know. So, oh, that was a, a very, very satisfying. And, uh, you know, but as I said, for me, 97 would still stick out in the sense that it was a very first one. And then I suppose the next couple of years after that were very lean, obviously losing to Mead in the semi-final 2001 and our man, the final 2002. And the pressure was building on party at that stage, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, and it's, I suppose it's unfair to say it was lean because we were still by me in our semi final. We had won Munster, we won, um, you know, we beat, we beat Cork in the Munster final in 2001, and um, that was the first year of the qualifiers. And we played Dublin in the obviously the Morris Fit score at the end, and we beat them in a replay. But the, you know, our preparation, I think, it was something like a two week turnaround for the Mead game. And on top of that, we had to play county championship in between that as well, which was absolutely insane. So to say our preparation for the me game was ideal, was absolutely, like when you look back at things now, like it was so wrong. And uh, obviously the performance was not acceptable, but our preparation was, 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 was terrible. And our time to prepare was, was woeful as well. So while me were sharpening their teeth and I had two days to watch us play, I suppose, um, Dublin, we were, I, I remember we played Gaelic in a county championship match back in Tralee during that period as well and a, and a knockout championship as well, getting an injection in the knee to play the game and, you know, just crazy, crazy stuff and, um, you know, so that preparation for that knee game was, was just a nightmare as a pity because, look, um, would me have beaten us? Maybe they might have, but I certainly don't think we were, we went into that game, you know, we had lost. Tomash was sent off. Mike Hassett uh, got injured and, and, and Tom Sullivan within five minutes had his jaw broken again now just in a clash against Mead. So I think Noel Kennelly ended up playing in the in the backs against Dublin. He ended up again playing in the backs um, against Mead that day. So look, it was just a very disappointing uh, day out and you know we were still only one step away from, from heaven I suppose to get into our Ireland final and 2002 was after I suppose with, with 
the boys' father, Dara's and Mark and, 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 and Tomas' father doing uh, the week before the Munster final replay certainly didn't help that. But we got a great run in the, in the, in the qualifiers, did, all, did everything right, bar the last maybe 35 minutes of the, the Armagh game where we, we certainly didn't play to scratch, but we still only lost the game by a point, you know, and that's, that's the, so close. And, you know, even if we had Morris on the sideline that day just to steady the ship, um, you know, it was a day that if we, I felt if we got over the line and just got a draw, you know, no one knows what would have happened in the replay. But, you know, no, it wasn't to be. And in fairness, you'd have to say Armagh deserved that one from considering how close they went in 2000 uh, to winning the All-Ireland as well. And, you know, but look, it goes, it goes, it goes in cycles, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, Jack O'Connor <laughs> from uh, Pawdy. What does he change in comparison to Pardy? What's different between the two? I know Jack was involved under Pardy, but does he change much when he comes in as manager? Yeah, and, and you know, Jack, I suppose, I suppose Jack just brought an open book again. And, and I suppose when a new manager comes in, no different to Daisy coming in now this year with Dublin, um, it's a clean slate, isn't it? And you could be James McCarthy or Johnny Cooper or Brian Fenton in the middle of the field. There's a new man, there's a new guy in town. And while you can, you can stay in your luxury lounge or you can... Most players will say, well, I kind of have to prove myself all over again here to this new manager. And if you're in, you kind of, you, you, that's what you have to do. And I think that's what players did with, with, um, with Jack in 2004. And in a funny sense, uh, Jack's hands were tied to a point at the start because the Gael took were involved in the club championship. And so you had Tomas and Mark and Derek and Ada and Derek Shea. Rob and Aidan were on the panel as well. And, and so all those guys were involved with Lungailtrucht. So Jack had to take over a, a National League team without the boys, really. Dara tried to, Dara Canada, because he was captain that year, did as much as he could without obviously interfering with the club games and whatnot. So without, without overnight, Jack had to look outside the, 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 uh, outside the box and bring in players. And that's what he exactly did. Um, he brought in, you know, I suppose Paul Galvin. Had, had been in with body in and out, Aidan Manning had been in and out and didn't didn't get, I suppose, the rugby green with body, but Jack was certainly looking for those new type of players and, and especially Paul and in the, in the, that kind of workman-like wing forward where you're just an absolute up and down the field workaholic and, you know, Paul obviously became one of the best wing forwards. It was no different than Brian Dewar, that kind of a player where he played on the edge and worked all his socks off and gave everything and you know um, for, for the jersey. And Aidan O'Mahony, uh, William Kirby was refound. You know, William was out in the wilderness for a while and found his farm again under Jack. So Jack kind of gave opportunities to guys and he found, I suppose, those three or four players that we were probably lacking in, in 2003 and strengthened the panel and, you know, ultimately that year won the All-Ireland with myself and Dara Shea sitting on the bench. Um, I had a, I, I bone bruising on my ankle and Dara had broken a bone in his foot and if someone had told you that, probably 12 months prior to that, you know, they'd carry, you know, you would probably say that Kerry wouldn't win the All-Ireland but, you know, Kerry won a very comfortable All-Ireland in 2004, with the likes of Owen Brosnan playing a huge role in the middle of the field, uh, Eamon Fitzmaurice, centre-back, very solid, Gooch winning his first All-Ireland, putting in a, a screamer, John Crowley finding his form, coming back into the end of the year, not scoring the All-Ireland final, but probably made seven or eight points in the day, and you know, look, Declan Sullivan, you know, re-emerging as the, probably one of the, the great forwards of his generation, along with Paul on that, on that line, you know, so... Look, um, 
you, you have the likes of Aidan Manny in the backs, Mark Shea, Mike Mack, Tomas O'Shea. You know, there was, there was you know, Jack just changed it around. Uh, he brought Pat Flanagan with him. Pat was really, really good in the sense that his, his training was, there was no long stuff. It was all short, snappy. Weights was non-negotiable. It was all year round. It wasn't just for the winter. It was, uh, it was you, you, you just did it all, all the way through. And everything was controlled, and you know it was it was really really enjoyable. Jack Jack was an excellent manager. Pat was a fantastic coach to be underneath, and you know we 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 three great years under under the boys. And Jack's gone into Kildare now. What will he bring to Kildare? A huge experience, mate. Anyway, and uh, um, you know, and I suppose he's he's been there, done that, and uh, you know, Jack is a Jack. One thing Jack loves is is moving the ball with the foot and he he will certainly and you know and I know Kildare of old they they like camp passing and there's some fantastic footballers in Kildare but it might take a bit of time for that to, to just to break through and I, I would bear with that because I think Jack Jack has has great experience he he figure players out and he'll know the strengths and weaknesses and but he will get them moving the ball faster with the with the boot, the boot and, uh, and 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 obviously combined with hand passing and whatnot. But Jack will um, his training is interesting. He's he's open minded, um, but you know he's and ultimately he's a winner. He he will want to. Jack will not want to leave Kildare without winning winnings at Leinster or getting to North Ireland or getting getting something that Kildare haven't done before. And um, you know he will be driven to do that. And so tell us about 2006, Seamus, like uh, you just kind of came back from a bit of a back injury, I think it was a Darrow Canadian, Liam Hassett had to call it a day, like their bodies were just finished after 05. Yeah, well, uh, to be fair, 05 was just one of those hard years, even though I like, started it was fine, but as the year went on, my back was just was just giving in. And uh, I always kind of say it was like the, it was like trying to drive the car with the handbrake up, you know, you were you were just, just moving along, but it was horrible. And uh, and I think that was that was shown up in in the Ireland final where I I was the first time I was taken off and um, and and obviously lost to Tyrone which was a hard pill to swallow again considering they'd beaten us no three and you know but look I, I just put in a bad shift on the day and uh, afterwards Dara and Liam decided to call it a day and I was turkey bear myself but just didn't want to leave I just felt I just didn't want to leave on that note and and thankfully got got a lot of help from Joe Hartman and Joe Keane at the time and. Just gave up. I actually gave up the weights completely and uh, went back doing loads of core work. Did a, did a, went back doing a lot of my old kind of school training, a lot of old run cycles and build up my aerobic build. Because I always felt I was strong enough. I never felt I was thrown off the ball that easily or I didn't have to be. I, suppose I was trying to keep up with the own Braslands and the Dumer Morphys in, in the local gym. We all kind of went, did our gym work together. And the boys were squatting 160, 170 kgs, and I was trying to do that. And you know, I suppose at the end of the day, they were they were much younger guys than, than I were, and their body were able to take their bodies were able to take that kind of I suppose that kind of training. And whereas I had two or three bulging discs, and you know, had been through the, the middle for a good few years since I was, I was 32. I you know half my my career playing with Kerry, so. Or uh, I have my life, and uh, it was time just to change it. And thankfully, I did because if I kept doing what I was doing, it was it was gonna it was gonna end in tears. But so the fact that I did core and and a lot of stretching and went back, just got my got got that right, and the whole thing turned around, John. Because you know, football is a fl- you have to be flexible and you have to be dynamic and you have to be able to obviously run. It's a huge field. 
But if you can't, if you're not able to bend down and pick up a ball, if you're not able to be agile in terms of, of tackling to win a break or to, to, to win a breaking ball or to jump, um, you, you have nothing. So thankfully, I got all that back in two, in 2006, and it was like you know, it was a, it was it was it was a pleasure to play football again because you were able to do things that you weren't you couldn't have, well I certainly wasn't doing the the year before. And 2006, you just beat Mayo in the final. Were you on Kieran McDonald that day, or who, who were you picking up, James? No, Kieran. Kieran, I think I don't know. Kieran started forward. Um, um, I, 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 who started in the forty? I, I, I'm lying to, to say I, I can't come up with a name now. Um, but I, I, no, I, who? The Mortimers. One of the Mortimers. No, no, Mortimer. One of the Mortimers was centre forward. Our uh, side was corner forward. Um, no, but a, a, yeah, no, 2006. I can't remember who started with the party. David uh, Brady, Seamus, no, 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 David. I know David, David, David was mid, I think David went back full back. Alan did David go back? Yeah. No, Alan, and I know it's just, uh, yeah, we won't, we will stop. Yes, uh, nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, we'll have to go and look at the program some night, but uh, you can see, I, I have it at home, we'll have a look. Uh, yeah, yeah, and you signed uh, it as well. Thanks for that. <laughs> oh, very good. Uh, yeah, so 2006, yeah, it was a, was a, was a, was a, it was a lovely way to finish. And but the, that team and that panel was extremely strong as well. Like you know, I remember we played a, we went to, we went up to Cork, and I'd say it was the weekend before, and just to stay in, the, uh, we stayed in Hayfield Manor, and we played in Cork Creeve in a trial game. And uh, you know, we just we, that funny enough, the the DA, DA is kind of played the bees. And within ten minutes, we were gone up ten points, and like we were having massive battles. It's funny how the, the game it materialised where we started with me or we just got out of the block so fast and went up we went up 10 points in that game as well and like up to then in any of the trial games that we would have played uh, with let's say the possibles versus the probables it would have been really tough games you know you'd have got the likes of Brendan Guiney marking Paul Galvin and you know they'd have had huge battles and you know you'd, you'd always be picking up a quality player but that just did the weekend before things were really really going well and that, as I said, that just followed through into that final uh, on the on the on, on 2006. Funny enough, though, like we conceded three off the goals in, in that game, just kind of before the half time to kind of bring Mayo back into the game, and they kind of they were just watery things that we should never have happened, you know. To be fair, but the whole thing it might have been a good thing in the sense that at half time the boys regrouped, it kind of it stabilised everyone, it focused that, and there was really only one team in the second half, I think they all never really pushed on from their right. Huh? Probably a dodgy bit of defending in the first half, was it? I don't know what it was. I I, I, don't, I haven't seen the game, but there, there were just there were some really there were there were three goals and how in God's bloody name did they go in like you know I got but they uh, thankfully didn't come back to haunt us and, and as I said one comfortable enough in the in, in the second half in that one, you know. But look, I knew that was me. It was that was it for me. Uh, Jamie was born in two thousand six, and we were getting married in 07 and it was just uh, it was time to put in. It was always nice to, I suppose, that always happens. But it's always nice to leave on a, on a good note. James, I have to ask you this. My friend told me to ask you. You were true on goal in the All Ireland final, and you went for a point and passed it over the bar. Why did yeah. you go for the goal in your last game? <laughs> yeah, and, and I think we were up eight points as well at the time. And uh, definitely, yeah, maybe if I had my chance back again, uh, I probably might should have gone low, low into the corner. But, uh, um, you know, but having said that, I think we were up eight points. And I was saying we won't be greedy here and we'll, we'll just go, we'll just slot it over the bar. But uh, 
I took the points and, you know, fucking, yeah, maybe if I had my time back now again, I'd have pointed the toe and went low. <laughs> Someone texted me this morning to say it to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you don't get too many chances like that. So when when they do come, you probably should. But look, having said that, if we if we do the game, or or won the game by a point, I'd be I'd be very happy going home. Um, saying Jesus, you know, the hand pass over the bar, fucking got us out of jail. <laughs> <laughs> it was a nice way to finish, though. Oh, absolutely, Jesus, uh, Mick. Look, there are so many great players that have played with so many teams and have got to all Ireland finals and got to Leinster and Ulster finals, and you know, to win, to win, uh, maybe in your last day out, possibly wearing a your Intergrounty jersey is, is 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 something special. And uh, to do it in all Ireland final, it's 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 really good because I knew uh, there was no uh, I, there was no coming back for me, and it was game over. So it was it was really really sweet, and uh, you know absolutely you no know, because in 05, I would I would I if I was a betting man, and if we had won in 05, I would have I would have hit for for the hills as well. There's no doubting that, but. Um, I still felt there that in, I didn't want to go on that note. I was looking, and you know that could have backfired. To, and you know, in the monster final, we had lost to Cork, and um, you know, but thankfully, that backdoor system was there, and uh, that 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 losing the the, the 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 battle, but still having the opportunity to win the war was still there, and uh, and thankfully that was the case. But in the old days, I'd have been gone and would have been finished. Cork, Cork boys would have put the, the nails into my coffin. And uh, you know, but uh, that that would have been that would have been a hard way to go. But sure, look, that's the way it is in that sport, and there's no there's no fairy tale stories here. But you know, thankfully, I got away with that one, and, uh, and I suppose smart enough to to go went wild on top and not to hang around long enough again. Because you know, I, even though Carl Perry went on to win in 07 again, um, it would have been I knew personally myself I wouldn't have been able to give the commitment to what was required for each one. And has the game changed much since you finished, James, do you think? Hey, look, I think every generation of changes, uh, make, um, you know, in terms of the, the commitment that's required at the minute. And I suppose it's just gone to another level back in my time. I suppose we were, you know, we were training Tuesdays and Thursdays collectively and we were doing weights Monday, Wednesday, Friday. But sure, look, I think what guys are doing now, they're training twice a day in terms of they're probably getting up in the morning, doing their weights and they're training in that evening. And that's outside of the collective training. And, you know, it, it's... You know, died back then. You know, while we were we were all very familiar with it, and we all knew the the do's and the don'ts. There was certainly it, it was certainly not. It, there was it, it wasn't really you know scrutinised to an awful point um, in terms you know the preparation, the the strength and conditioning has just gone to a huge level, which is great. Uh, but I still think we should not ever forget the fact that it is a game of football and. We should be still spending eighty percent of the time in the football field, practicing the skills, as opposed to being, you know, the the most uh, lifting the benches and you know doing weights and spending too long in the gym. And while I know it's it's huge and it's brilliant for benefits in terms of injury prevention and the whole lot, I, I you know at times, you know, I just like to see teams spending more time practicing their skills. And uh, because it is a game of football, and I, I'd like to think that players are still enjoying themselves as much as we did in our time. Um, while obviously we always had a night out after a championship match, and we enjoyed, there had to be some light at the end of the tunnel. I hope that still is the case. Um, you know, because if you are not enjoying something, it's not it's not sustainable, and players will have a very very short career because you're not. It's like a job. Then you're only going to do it for a period of time, and especially the amount of slack that guys get on social media. 
on Twitter, on Instagram. It's everything is everything is can be commented on. No, I think it's a it's a hard it's a definitely a hard time. I I wouldn't I wouldn't I don't envy the boys um, in the current climate in the sense that they're they're so under the thumb. Um, I think back in our time, as I said, there was really no mobile phones until probably the end, obviously, of my time. And you go out and have a bit of fun when you wanted to have a bit of fun. And when you trained hard, you trained hard and it was, and it was private. And, uh, you know, so look, um, it's still, I still love watching the game, watching the matches is really enjoyable. And, you know, I think last year's championship was, was certainly one of the most exciting ones again for a while. I think the, I think all teams went for it and, you know, it wasn't as, as you know, negative and going lateral and sideways, and uh, I think the uh, you know it's it's football was interesting. There were some great games last year, and long may that continue. It's great, great to see teams having a go and running at teams and getting scores and not winning just by seven points to uh, five or something like that. Going out and having a, a real go at the, at the game. Seamus, you mentioned, mentioned the social media there. Like, are you a man for going on Instagram and putting up a picture of your coffee or your dinner? Or- Oh God, no, uh, John. I think I joined Facebook last year. I'd say it was October or November of last year. I, I my my first entry into Facebook. Um, so no, I, I'm not into it at all. To be fair, um, you know, look, I'm I'm on WhatsApps and with my own buddies and groups and and, and, and stuff like that. But you know, the whole social media thing doesn't doesn't do anything for me. I prefer to go for a cycle or do you know just get out there. And uh, and and when I'm doing that with my own company, I I, I leave it at that. I don't have to tell the world that I'm having a pint in the fall or the shire or, or, or whatnot, I think. When, I, when you're in company, leave it at that. That's right. That's right. Seamus, uh, last one for me. The best player you played with and the best player you played against. I know this is going to be tough coming from a Kerry man. Yeah, you know, so it's make there's so, so many, like, I, you know, there's so many great guys and, you know, uh, you know, I, I played with so many fantastic players like in, you know, the Morris Fitz and the Gooches, Dara Shades. Some person asked me a couple of weeks ago, if you had to go to war, which player would you bring? And Dara Shea, I suppose, ultimately would have been the player because he, he, he was so pivotal in our time in terms of everything, you know, and it's, it's still there. Look at Brian Fenton, look at all, look at all the great midfielders there. You know, if you don't win midfield, you're in trouble. You're taking on water in, in defence and you're, 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 you're depriving your forwards of, of all the, the ball. So Dara, for me, was, 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 was the kind of the, the go-to guy and he was a fantastic, fantastic player. But like in terms of skill, you obviously Morris and Gooch up there, Gooch had a, and Morris had, had different brains in terms of football and they were always three or four steps ahead of everyone. And, you know, David Clifford is that guy, as I said, that kind of a player as well. And, uh, you know, like for me, my own club man, John Crowley, like what, what a guy. And, you know, we were so fortunate through the years to have won Sigerson's in UCC we won three in a row with East Kerry. We won five local championships in, 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 in East Kerry. Won the Lenin Cup in 2000. You know, so every kind of club medal that I won and university medal that I won, I won it with John. So, you know, we had a we had a great voyage together. And like John is a year younger than myself. So we won an awful lot of stuff. Let's say from under 16s up as well with, with let's say, with Glenn Flesk. You know, so, and like John was, you know, a guard and he's he's really very quiet and unassuming fellow but once John crossed the white line in the field and I spoke about it already like he was just he was he was insane insanely competitive and aggressive and you know just wanted to win and used his God-given strength at, uh, to the best of his ability but like he was he was just awesome and, and went through a period I suppose from 
from 2000 on up to 2004, like, was probably one of the best forwards there. So, you know, no, very, very fortunate to have him. And we had him, I, I had him at club level as well, you know. So, any day we went out playing County B game, you know, John would probably score, no different than David Clipper. He'd get two, maybe two, but he got fouled probably nine times. And now Free Taker would get 10 points, you know, nine, not John, and maybe one or two from someone else as well, you know. So, you know, John was just uh, unstoppable at club level. Uh, the guys I marked for me, I always say Peter Cadavan was probably the best footballer I, I marked in terms of all around. Uh, Trevor Giles, Graham Geraghty were, were super players. Jeff Fallon, Pardick Giles, Michael Dallin, you know, all all brilliant. All those guys, you know, were were, were super players. Mickey Linden, I had uh, marked Mickey back in, in a, a Railway Cup game back in the early 90s, you know, look, unstoppable really when he ran at you. And uh, Mickey, as far as I, someone was telling me, he's still playing, I think, with, with Cameron Bridge. And uh, I suppose the, that's, that says enough, doesn't it, really? You know, but, uh, you know, so there, there's there's so many out there. Colin Cork, Rick Cork, huge, huge man. And, you know, this evening, fast over 20 yards. And great guy can score left and right, you know. So there, there's, there's some fantastic players. Stephen O'Brien, Cork, you know, great, great players. And uh, you know, and Declan Brown to Pereira. You know, you could there's you could write a book on that, make and uh, it's it's uh, there's so many fantastic players. But ultimately, I suppose Mick, for me, Peter Canavan would be the trickiest guy if you had to mark someone in the morning. And if you were told you were picking up Peter Canavan corner forward and go back, well, you would want to beat him bit early the night before anyway to keep him quiet. No coppers, as you said. <laughs> chalk it down, chalk it down, <laughs> chalk it down. And Seamus, did a book ever come into your mind? Like, because I see so many autobiographies about these days, and geez, they wouldn't have a wouldn't have a patch on you. No, John, no interest. No, absolutely not. No, as I said, most of the stories I have, I like to keep with my own friends and, and leave it at that. And uh, you know, I think I, I genuinely, I, I I'm not a fan of GA books. I don't think they're. I I, I like you know, I suppose Phil Jackson's book there, not because. The, the, it's hot at the minute, but like that was a super read, sacred hoops. So yes, it's 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 an international audience, and uh, you know if you're a soccer player like Roy Keane, if you're an international rugby player, uh, you know they're the books. It's you have a bigger audience, and it's it's I think you have a bigger story to tell in terms of the whole professional life and whatnot. And I think gee, it's a little bit if they look photographs of you under twelve going up to under sixteens, and you know it's a bit dribbly dribbly I'm not gone and those and if you're going to sell books you kind of have to be a little bit controversial or you want to have, to have some fallout with with a manager or you're at a drug addiction or an alcoholic you had to have something wrong with you or some story to go with um, but for me I, I'm not gone and I'm not gone in J books I think they're we're just too small an island and four million people to to have a, a big story about an amateur sport but you know that's that's my opinion but uh, but having said that, you know, I, I certainly, um, you know, one of my favourite reads would be Mas 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 Keane's rugby book. You know, it was was a great read, and it's just just out there. You know, played Mas Mas. It was a, a Kerryman played with Ireland back in the day, like, but very witty and really, really, really good book. Like, you know, but um, but for me, no, never, never entered, uh, never entered uh, my my uh, my head anyway to do one. And last but not least, uh, any intentions to manage Kerry? Uh, yeah, not right now because I'm just very, very busy with my own kids and with work and whatever thing going on. It's, it's, you know, I, I trained Foster there for two years, found it, you know, while it was very enjoyable, you know, extremely time consuming. And, uh, you know, everything is when you're doing something right, you try to do it 
and it's it, it's all consuming. And uh, you know, so look, I'm doing a little bit underage training with my own club, the Fest now. Obviously, haven't been for the last while, but hopefully that'll start up again now in July. And uh, looking forward to that. It's 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 nice. But Kerry, Kerry, you know, different to training Dublin or Cork or any intercounty. It's 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 a huge. It's a seven day a week job, and I think it's a full time. It's a full time gig. And you have to, you know, I, I gave 30, probably my 16 up to 32 years of age. I, I gave that period of time to Kerry and, you know, really enjoyed it. I was young, single and had no commitments. Whereas I know that that isn't the case and uh, it's not my time anymore. It's my family's time. So until such, until such, until that changes, I really can't see me being involved with any Kerry team. I, I did go in with Dara as a selector for doing the 21s free and it was great it was very enjoyable uh, but that was a complete it was a knockout competition so we, we were beaten partially by Cork in the first round but you know it's um, it's it is it is really time consuming and, and hats off to the guys who are involved because it is it just takes over your life well that's good James so you'll come down to Magic Cabin someday because I want to win an Ulster title yeah no no you've plenty of good guys up there Jack you're playing no 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 you'll get there alright thanks so much for doing that gentlemen appreciate that good water lads cheers thank you fair use guys best luck Jake Thanks for listening in and don't forget that you can follow the Mick and Mac GAA football podcast on Instagram, Twitter and we are on Spotify as well as all other podcast platforms.